It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box, the show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you on Monday, June 12th. LA Galaxy get a 1-1 draw, surprising enough, against the best in the West, St. Louis City. We're going to talk about that game, get you through that. There's some LA Galaxy news, of course, as there always is. We'll throw you some stats and that stuff as the Galaxy get ready for a little bit of quiet time. Right? No game until the 21st against Sporting Kansas City. So uh, we'll be watching that, be paying attention to that, and seeing where the LA Galaxy go and all that sort of fun stuff that goes. And we'll be talking about the injury to Chicharito, even though we sort of previewed that on uh, on Thursday night's show. So a lot to get to, a lot to do. Glad to have everybody with us, including Mr. Kevin Baxter. Kev, how's it going, bud? Hey, thank you very much. That was very nice of you to congratulate me on that big victory this weekend. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, did you did you did you do a good job? Celebrating. Oh yes. Yeah. I are you are you happy with a with another title there? Yes, yes. This oh. is a Pep, the only guy to win the trouble twice. See, he I mean it was impressive. It was impressive. I saw our our, our friend uh, Ariel Castillo was was out there among the masses doing her crazy stuff covering uh Manchester City. So uh, always fun. Hope she's safe and enjoying her craziness and uh Yeah, she was at the parade today. Yeah. Uh, and and in tomorrow's LA Times I write that uh, well, I think it's actually, yeah, it's printed Tuesday, that um, Pep Guardiola should probably move on. I mean, he has no place to go but down. Nobody's ever repeated the trouble. He's won four of the last five Premier League titles. He does have a dynasty. You know, only one player is out of contract. Uh, Gudawan is out of contract. And and of the 13 players he used, well, th- those are the players he used in the game. Of the 13 players he used, only two are older, three are older than 30. So it's it's set up to be a dynasty. But again, Nobody's ever repeated his trouble. Mm-hmm. So if he doesn't win the trouble, it's theoretically a step down. And the 115 violations of fair play uh, alleged by the English Premier League, right. that's going to be adjudicated soon. Um, there's no way that – I mean, I, I don't know what the penalties will be. It, it can go anywhere from expulsion from the league, which they're not, they're not going to expel Man City, or it could be a points deduction. But whatever it is – I think it's going to reflect poorly on, on Guardiola if he's still there. I mean, it's going to it's going to be uh, something in his background, anyways. Um, but he, and he also he said earlier that if he finds out management was lying to him, that he would resign. And management told him that they were completely innocent. They're not a. I don't see how they're innocent 115 times. So I think maybe. But 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 then where does he go? He's already conquered the Premier League. He's already conquered the Bundesliga. He's already con. con uh, 
conquered La Liga. Perhaps he could get a lot of money from PSG because they want to win Champions League. Right. Maybe he goes there. He's co- he comes, Maybe he he comes goes- to the LA Galaxy to replace the only guy who won the treble here in, in Major League Soccer? Is that... And then he he's said many times that he wants to go toe to toe with Bruce Arena. That's what he so, said. I know. I'm sure. I'm sure. Maybe that's where he winds up. Oh yes, yes, yes. Always good. Well, good. Glad you're enjoying uh, enjoying the weekend. Uh, I think Galaxy fans should actually be well, maybe not not like happy, but semi satisfied in the way the LA Galaxy played against St. Louis. Um, I'm not going to say it was pretty, Kevin, uh, but the result is a point. The result was another come from behind sort of uh, ability to get some points. The LA Galaxy buckle up for this stat. Nobody has this stat anywhere. Now unbeaten in their last two league games, Kevin. I mean, the only time. Well, yeah. Not only that, they're four, four and one in their last nine games in all competition. You know, if you go back to May 10th, right. two, four and one in MLS. But, you know, I. That's the thing with this Galaxy team. I can't decide whether they're just absolutely horrible, 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 or whether they're about to catch fire. Again, 4-4-1 in all competition, 2-4-1 in MLS since since May 10th. Um, But they are in the cellar. They're they're, uh, uh, behind Colorado. Well, actually ahead of Colorado, I think, because of points per game. But right now, they're at... 0.81 0.81 points per game. Correct. If they, if that's how. And if they finish the season that way, it'll be the worst season ever. That in in 2017 they were 0.94 points per game. Um, they they would finish with less than 30 points. Um, you know they're on pace for less than 30 goals. They're on pace to allow 57 goals. Their goal difference differential would be minus 28. I think over the season if they kept going this way. Um, I, I don't know. All those things seem to be trending bad. But then when you look at the other side. Again, four, four, and one. In their last nine games, they did tie, come back to tie the best team in the Western Conference on the road. Mm-hmm. That was a pretty outstanding performance, considering everything that's just happened in the last week. And they just acquired a new player. This Douglas Costa guy is really good. <laughs> Greg, Van- I'm week. sure Greg Vanny was talking about how you know how he's going to be the new summer signing. This Douglas Costa guy. Um, he was really good. I was impressed. I thought he was okay. Um, I, I know that he won team of the week honors and we can show you that uh, Douglas Coster on, uh, excuse me, team of the match day. Cause you know, we're doing that now uh, team of the match day honors. Douglas Costa was there. Cool. Uh, you know, gets his little nod. Uh, I will tell you this right now. Cause I actually looked it up. It was funny. You know how like group, I, I sometimes I think that group chats are the key to really figuring out the best stats. Uh, Douglas Costa played 89 minutes, officially 89 minutes in this game. Cause he basically came off one minute before the end of the game. Right. And even though it was in stoppage time, that's how they determine how many minutes from the end of the game. Did you come off? That's how many minutes you played because the stoppage time is supposed to add all that up. So he played 89 minutes. The last time Douglas Costa played more than 89 minutes, you would have to go back to the third and fourth game. Sorry, wrong one. Let me find it. You have to go back to the third and fourth game that he ever played for the LA Galaxy. That was on May 14th and May 18th of 2022, where he went the complete 90 minutes back to back. That did not happen at any other time between these games and when he just went 89 minutes uh, recently. Yeah, 89 minutes, and, and this was his first start since April 29th. And Vanny said the plan was for him to go 45. They were going to take him out at halftime. And Costa said, no, I, I want to keep going. And then throughout the second half, it was like they kept waving him over. Like, you, you, are you good? Are you good? Yep. No, I want to keep going. Yeah, final score, one-to-one uh, here in this one. 68th minute, uh, the the Giancchini 
goal was outstanding. We'll talk about that. I wanted to get you lineups here real quick, and then I want to dive into Douglas Costa because I think that's one of the... There's two really interesting sort of talking points for me out of this game. Uh, one is Douglas Costa, and one is Dayon Jovalich. Those are those are sort of my my ones. We can also talk Ricky Puj as well because I think there's something to see, but uh, Jovalich... Jalen Hill was also very, very good at times. At, I mean, that was sort of the case for the entire defense. They were good at times. They were bad at times. Uh, Neil didn't have one of, I think, his better games. He played well in spurts, but he had some pretty big mistakes that he was lucky to sort of get away with. Uh, Jovalich up top, you had Tyler Boyd, Ricky Pouge, and Douglas Costa in there. You had Brugman and Delgado. Uh, Aude, Neil, Caceres, and Caligari. The back four, you'd expect Jonathan Bond in goal uh, for this one. The bench, uh, a, a little bit different, maybe. And, and certainly... Efrain Alvarez makes this bench a lot easier with Chicharito gone, right? Raheem Edwards in there, Chris Mavinga in there, Gino Vivi, Leardam comes sort of back onto the bench, and he's been on the bench, but, you know, sort of in there. We're, you're looking for the extra guy that sort of comes on there. It's Alvarez and, you know, because Vivi's sort of been playing, so it's Alvarez who sort of gets the the Chicharito nod, if you will, uh, with Chicharito being out. And let's be, let's let's start there for a second. Chicharito announced on Friday, LA Galaxy announced on Friday, uh, ACL. Uh, he's out basically a regular person. It's six to nine months recovery. Um, I don't think Chicharito is going to be any faster than that, but I certainly expect that the LA galaxy will use the season ending injury list as well. Well, yeah. I mean, even if it were six months, five months, I mean, he's not going to make it back. There's a couple of things with this. My understanding is it's a grade three tear. There are, uh, you know, uh, ACL tears going gradations. Uh, one, which is what Carl, grade one tear, which is what Carlos Vela had a couple of years ago when he got hurt against the Galaxy. That was not really a micro tear, but it was it was a tear, but it it wasn't completely ruptured. He came back in in a span of weeks. I think it was six to eight weeks. My understanding is with Chicharito, and this has not been confirmed by the Galaxy, but that it's a grade three tear, which means it's completely ruptured. It's 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 torn open. So that's a much more difficult tear. Now. It, Chicharito is, I think, 35, going to be 36, or is it 34, going to be 35? I think he just celebrated his 35th birthday. In any case, he's the same age as Christian Press, who had an ACL tear last year. She still hasn't come back yet. It's been 12 months now. She's apparently had to go undergo three operations. I'm not saying that Christian Press and Chicharito are the same, but I'm saying that they did have the same injury at the same age, right. and it's taken her, and, and they're both fit, you know, experienced athletes, and it's taken her this long to come back. Um I actually wrote in my story about Chicharito, I, I suggested that this could be career ending. And the reason I suggested that is not has nothing to do with his work rate or his desire or anything else. He's going to be 36 by the time he can come back. He, uh, it's got a lot of miles. He's played a lot of games. Um, I, I, I and he wasn't playing all that well this season. I think if Chicharito had finished the season continuing to play the way he did, I think a lot of teams would have looked at him, not the galaxy. Other teams would have looked at him and said, you can't fall off the edge of the world that quickly. The two last two years scored 35 goals, second most in MLS over that span. You know, he's worth a look. He's worth a million bucks, maybe a million and a half, the TAM money deal, or maybe someone in Mexico takes a choice, takes a chance on him. That guy coming back from serious, serious injury, I'm not sure that's the same gamble. Um, so I'm not saying Chicharito doesn't want to play again. I'm just not sure who's going to give him a shot. And I don't see Chicharito deciding to be a guy that, yeah, like like Giassi's artist. I'm going to play off the bench. I'm right. going to be a bench guy. No, you know, Chicharito wants to be a, a starter. He wants to be a, a DP type player, and you know, maybe this is the thing that makes him consider. Look, I've got other things I want to do with my life. Yeah. Um, I hope he comes back. I'm a huge Chicharito fan, but I just don't. 
I, I just see there's a lot of negatives in this. It, it, it is. The, the only thing that I would sort of caution, and I, I, so I get your progression. It makes sense, right? Um, the only thing I would caution is Chicharito doesn't seem like the kind of guy who wants to go out that way. He kind of Maybe he's the kind of guy who wants to go out on his own terms. And so this guy likes hard work. You can see it in the way that he does it. So the recovery or anything like that, and not that you put this on him, but I see him able to to, to accomplish that. I, I don't I see him sitting there having the surgery, doing the recovery that he needs to be done, and then as soon as he's able to start working, starting to work, putting the plan in, doing the work, because he's never been a guy who's been afraid of work, and especially the way that he transformed himself here whenever he came to the galaxy, had that first year, that was the COVID year, right? All that sort of thing, you know, got got blown up and and there was nothing good out of 2020. Um, but you saw him come back in 2021. You saw him in 2022. You saw the work effort, the ability to sort of transform his body, to focus on the physical aspects of these things. I mean, things get brittle as you get older. And, and this ACL is just, you know, it's a freak thing that happens. And especially, you know, I think it, they said it was the first major injury of his career. Um, yeah, non-contact. No one touched right. him. I don't think it was. I don't think they were playing on turf. They were on grass, right? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They were on grass. So. So no. Yeah. There was nothing there. Although I will say, and I'm sure I'll get hate hate for this from the RSL. I, RSL field has always been known as a very hard surface to play on. Um, I know that they replaced grass and done some things, but the ball always bounces very high. I think it has to do with sort of the the mountain air and the mountain climate and just how the soil sort of reacts with the grass and the way that they're trying to do it. The ball is just always very bouncy. Compare that with St. Louis, where it looks like they got the shaggy dog out there over the weekend, um, which in a first year stadium with grass that you're trying to make sure it stays in its first full cycles and all the things are happening, you usually leave it a little bit longer. But that's just I, that I still had to grass. Um, the deal with Chicharito is I think that he still comes back and plays soccer. It's not going to be with the LA Galaxy. That's done. Um, you know, and and I think that what happens now is what he wants to do next. Um, and I think he'd want to go somewhere. I don't know if it's Mexico. Um, I know you and I were kicking around ideas like the A-League and, and heading to Australia because uh, I believe his kids are down there with his wife. She could also be in London at this point uh, as well. So it could be in some different places and a whole bunch of things. But I don't know. To me, it's sort of like he still wants to go out on his own. He wants to be able to walk off the field instead of being carried off the field that last time. That seems like a Chicharito thing to me. So Yeah, it does. And and it, it just needs to be, you know, I, I do. Again, I do hope he comes back. And he deserves a chance to walk up. Really, he deserves a chance to walk up the field with the Mexican national team as well. He's arguably the best player in Mexican national team history. And that that's been taken away from him. He hasn't played with them uh, for since 2019. Right. So he deserves that as well. Hard to see that happening either. Um, you know, he'll find a fit. I mean, uh, you know, may, maybe back at Chivas of Guadalajara, his family has a lot of history with them and right. that's where he started we'll see I, I will say this if there's a if there's a nod to chicharito no longer being with the la galaxy uh, i enjoyed covering him a lot uh difficult player to ask questions to in my opinion and kevin you may have a different opinion on that only no, that's why we have sophie yeah right that's sophie sophie asks all the best chicharito questions the chicharito whisperer is all, has always been the canon sophie herself um but i i enjoyed covering him i've enjoyed covering a lot of players he was a totally unique as much as zlatan was a unique being all to himself chicharito is very much a unique being all to himself uh there's nobody else there's no copies he's not trying to he's he's writing his own path through all this stuff kevin as much as what you, don't you think that's you mentioned 2020 you know not just the bad season he looked you know he had the injuries mm -hmm. you, you mentioned you know injury problems that was a with the calf injuries he was out for quite uh 
you know, a big segment of that year. He got, I thought he got big. He, I thought he got a little overweight, not that I'm one to talk, but I'm not trying to play MLS soccer. Um, he got a little big. I think he got out of shape. Um, you know, I don't know that he had the desire. It was hard to have desire that year with everything going wrong, but then for him, his grandfather died, who's very close to, uh, he had the, the, you know, divorce or separation from his wife. It was, it was a lost year for him and every way possible. Right. And then, you know, he didn't go to his grandfather's funeral because of COVID. So yeah, you mentioned Chichito being this unique guy. I really think the uniqueness when he started getting into the mental health and the well-being and the, and the, this is not important. And why do we do this? And all that kind of. Oh, Kevin, we were so close. We had, we had you talking, you were, you were making lucid points. It was like the first time ever on this show. And then you just disappeared. All right. We'll get Kevin back while we work on that. Um, uh, so again, the, the Chicharito thing, uh, I enjoyed covering him. I enjoyed seeing just what he was able to do. Um, I, I like the comeback story that he was able to put together. Uh, you know, it's, it's happy trails for Chicha. I mean, uh, I, I know there's going to be a lot of people who say his time with the LA Galaxy is a failure, uh, as an individual wasn't a failure. That's for sure. Uh, wasn't a failure at all. Um, I think, I think he'll find someplace. I think he'll find one more place to go. I think he'll, He'll get back and then he'll decide where that is. And, and then I think perhaps the next one is is the time when it's time to retire uh, for him. But I just can't see somebody like Chicharito going out like that. That would be that would be interesting. So uh, a little bit back to the game here um, and, and looking at this L.A. Galaxy team and, and trying to see, you know, Jovalich starting in place of Chicharito. You knew that that was there. I thought it was interesting on the broadcast. They were sort of talking about how. Um, you know, Greg Vanny said that they weren't going to be able to change tactics very much with Chicharito out because there wasn't any time in between the games between it happening on Wednesday and this game on Sunday. Um, but maybe tactics change a little bit going forward is, is sort of the implied thing going there. Um, but with Dayon Jovalich up top, I would say that St. Louis's uh, two center backs, Parker and, and Bartlett, uh, did an excellent job in terms of shutting him down. Uh, I found that that Dayon Jovalich wasn't as physical as I expected him to be in this game. Uh, as a matter of fact, he got tossed around a bunch of times um, in this. He made one or two really good runs that I think the LA Galaxy found. The lack of crosses coming from the side still hurting Jovalich in service. Um, I don't know. For me... If we're being very, very honest, I want to see Jovalich start stuff further outside. I want to see him starting runs further outside and running in to the middle instead of starting his runs straight down the middle all the time. I feel like it gives him nowhere to go. I felt like his his holdup play uh, was non-existent. And I thought maybe the physicality from from uh, St. Louis, you know, maybe that was maybe they were they were too physical for him. He couldn't handle it. Um, in some of these areas. Um, but there was no hold-up play. Very rarely did he get the ball and was able to lay it off and sort of let to, to build. He doesn't drop as deep as Chicharito does. Um, and so, you know, there's all these sort of mixtures of what you're trying to do with him. Uh, I think the only thing that really covered for the fact that Jovalich was was very much missing in action was runs through the middle by Tyler Boyd, Douglas Costa floating into that space as well. Um, and I thought Douglas Costa, you know, again, uh, had a pretty good game for Douglas Costa. Uh, we can certainly talk about the goal and we can talk about all the things that sort of led to the goal that that were able to to get them in a a good position on that. But um, a lot of the good runs, a lot of the good passings with Ricky Pooj and Douglas Costa and everything else that was sort of happening um, in that. 
and and was able to sort of you know see how Douglas Costa was going there. Kevin, do we have you back? You do. I don't think you have me back visually. We had a power outage of some sort here. Oh, nice. Nice. You but, have to uh, click the camera button there, stud. Otherwise, I it, did. It, it, I did multiple times. Yeah. It's it's, it's not um it's <sighs> not allowing me. And it's got an X through it. And it's uh, a camera. Let's see there. And see, I, I, I would like to explain to everybody why Kevin has more problems than anybody else on Skype. Because is I'm it, 112 years old. No, well, no, no, that has nothing to do with it. Because um, my my grandmother, before she passed away, knew how to use Skype. <laughs> um, you know, from her deathbed, she could have figured that one out. No, the, the big deal is that you use it through the browser, which is the worst way to use Skype ever in the history because... Uh, the company that you work for decides that you're not trustworthy enough to have the actual app installed. That's true. That's yes. true. But I still do have a job for the moment. For the, <laughs> I was going to say, just barely? Just barely for a little just bit? Barely. Okay. Um, you want me to try to disconnect and call back? Or uh, we can try one more time. Why don't you Why don't you give it a shot and, and we'll, we'll see if that works better. So Kevin will go away and then maybe we'll get him back for a second. It is because he uses the browser. Right. Oh, and you can't even hear him. Great. So it's not even coming through at all. Wonderful. Wonderful. So lovely. Gotta love it all. That's what I say. Um, I can hear Kevin on my side and it's recording on the podcast. Um, and no, uh, I don't even know what your screen name is because that's not even a good screen name. Uh, it's not for me using Skype in 2023. Skype is far superior to Zoom because Zoom doesn't come with NDI. Um, and I know that's one of those one of those silly things. But all right, let's see if we can get uh, Kevin back on. There's and, the face again. Everybody missed that, I'm sure. Okay. So did I get my my whole point in about how Chicharito I thought changed after the dismal 2020 season? All the things that he went through, he began to sort of refocus or or or, or rethink, you know, his uh, his life in soccer and, and its role in his life, and he became very introspective. Yeah. Um, but that's that's the interesting Chicharito to me. I, th I thought Chicharito the first year. I've always been a big fan. I was a little bit in awe of of him being there. Um, and, and you know, he if you remember, he didn't do the second press conference of the year after that first home game. And he was a. I, I don't want to say he was diva esque, but he was. He looked like he was going to be a little bit difficult. And then everything went south with COVID, and we started not really caring because it wasn't really important. Right. Um, but the second year when he came, remember he did all that stuff in the off season. He got a nutritionist and he had all the those Instagram videos he was posting all the time. He came back in 2021 a completely different guy, and then wound up with the 35 goals in the two seasons. Um, rededicated himself to to soccer. I think he got over the fact he wasn't in Europe anymore. That was I think that was a problem the first year. Uh, he got over that and decided he was going to do the best he could here. The Chicharito the last two seasons, well two seasons plus. Right. Uh, that's like you said, he was a very interesting personality. He was, he was. All right, let's go back to the game. Uh, we're talking about Douglas Costa and his ability to sort of fit into this game and, and find his spaces and, and do the things that Douglas Costa, you've mentioned that he was only supposed to go 45 minutes and then he ends up going longer. Um, that's certainly there. Uh, I, I just, um, I, I know that there is going to be sort of this, this want, and I think it's from everybody. And I quite honestly, with team of the week, sure, if you want to give Douglas Costa team of the week, uh, there was a lot of moments in that game where he was MIA. Um, and and I think you wanted him to sort of be a little bit more um, in there. In fact, St. Louis should have scored off of a sleeping Douglas Costa as he was trying to think cover Stroud, who was coming into the back end, and they ended up messing up that play. But he was wide open because Costa didn't track his runner, right? And so I think you're going to get moments from Douglas Costa. And there were some outstanding 
moments of the Galaxy, especially in the first maybe 15 minutes of that match of the Galaxy breaking press. Uh, St. Louis pressing high, the Galaxy passing through them, Douglas Costa, Ricky Pouge uh, combining. And by the way, I think that was better whenever Costa was wide, Kevin, and we talk about wingers all the time um, and how the width is sort of opens up with Ricky Pouge and his ability to do the things that he's, he wants to do. Um, and, and so I think you saw a lot of that in the first half. I think the second half that went away a little bit as Costa drifted further inside um, and probably further inside, almost up into a second forward formation a lot of times. Um, Jovalich didn't get any service, but Jovalich didn't make a ton of runs either. So, I mean, you're going to look at this game and this game should be a, a net positive if you're an LA Galaxy fan because going against the best in the West in a place where um, I think I don't think they've lost this year, right, Kevin? Was that were they at home? Was St. Louis undefeated at home? Uh, I think they had some draws, or they the, or they lost. No, because I think they went to Colorado and lost on an early one. Yeah, um, and and they it's, had yeah, a lot in the road. Yeah, and they had scored something like twelve goals or thirteen goals in their last three home games, uh, and the opponent had scored one goal. Um, so the Galaxy coming in there and actually creating something in this in this case and scoring a goal was huge in terms of what you're able to do against St. Louis. It just sucks that where the LA Galaxy are right now, Kevin, needing points and needing wins and needing everything. Mm-hmm overshadows the job that they just did. Um, I think the I think the coaching staff gets it. I think the LA Galaxy players get it. And so I think that's the good part about this is that they understand that they just accomplished something in St. Louis. Um, and as somebody in the chat room said, uh, <laughs> it was a little funny as someone in the chat room says, oh, great, the Galaxy are that like trap game now, right? Where you go and play the Galaxy and you're like, oh, they're last in the West. The, the Galaxy are not last in the West because they've been playing crappy soccer for 90 minutes out of every game. That's not why they are last in the West. They're last in the West because they haven't scored any goals. And in moments, they haven't been very good. Um, what, what, what did you think in the 78th minute? And so the Galaxy had had some good moments, but it looked like the game was getting away from them. They were down a goal. They were playing, as you said, one of the best defensive teams in the league at home you know, sold out crowd going crazy. And then Vanny makes four substitutions at one time in the 70th minute. He takes, he, he brings on judge Malvinga, uh, Malvinga, um, he, Malvinga. There's no he, L in there. I promise that guy too. Him too that yep. Both those guys came on a and, and Leardam, I think was yes. the other one that came on and he took off Jovalich. He took off J, uh, you know, Jalen Neal. It, it, to me at that moment, my, my first thought when I saw that four substitutions at once, you know, four of the main starters, took him off. My thought was, well, he's conceding. He's just getting, running some guys out there, getting some minutes. Right. Um, and, and that he was conceding. And then seven months later, Aguirre, one of the guys who comes on, scores right. the goal. Yeah, by the way, great run. And Costa starts that by, listen, horrible play by St. Louis. If you are a St. Louis fan, you're looking at the ball that is taken off the feet of the defender in that area as possibly one of the worst things you could do at that time. Right. And this comes on the heels of the really bad giveaway by Jalen Neal um, that should have gone for St. Louis's second goal. I don't know if I'm with the announcers that all he had to do was pass sideways. Neal actually tracked back and was cutting down some lanes. But more than likely, if he puts a ball over to his left hand side, um, then he's able to score in the galaxy or out of that game. It's two nothing in the games put away as it is. Ball sits on a, on a player's foot too long. Douglas Costa does a little bit of back pressing, able to steal the ball very easily, passes it into Judd. Judd does a wonderful job of hold up. Again, 
We talked about Jovalich and not being able, I did while you weren't here, Kevin. Um, I talked about Jovalich and not being able to hold up the ball. Judd was able to hold up the ball in that situation. He received the ball with his back to goal. He looked for a turn inside. It wasn't there. And then he fed the ball back out to Douglas Costa, where Costa was able to get around and fire in that cross from the left foot. And Douglas Costa, I don't know if he knows Aguirre is going to be there and all, but Aguirre with a good run down the center, right where you should be, a little outside to in, just a little bit of a curve pattern and able to get that in. Um, and start a little bit outside the post, moving into the post, right? Jovalich, and this is this is a criticism, Jovalich l- runs so vertically, Kevin, straightforward, that a lot of times he has no angle on things whenever he gets the ball. One of his best shots that he had on goal was a shot that he had because there was no angle and he was able to fire it across, and actually it was a good save by St. Louis uh, goalkeeper, right? So, um you know, you see that they, uh, Jovalich had another chance where he was able to the ball was able to be cut back and he hit it left footed, but he was leaning back. He didn't get good contact with it. It wasn't his preferred right foot. And he launched it over the over the bar. I think those are the two Jovalich chances that really popped up in this game. Judd comes on, holds the ball up, dishes out to, to Costa. Costa curls it around the backside of the defense and Aguirre loved the goal. Glad he got his first goal. He's so lucky that that went in because he mishit it and it went back towards the goalkeeper and the goalkeeper almost it like bounced off the goalkeeper in order to get in. I don't care how it goes in. They all count. It could be it's either a screamer or it dribbles across the goal line. It doesn't matter. But Aguirre put himself in the correct spot. And to your point, Kevin, Aguirre, I thought, had a very good substitute performance in this game. That was probably one of his better showings coming in. Yeah, the goalkeeper did have it uh, appeared to have it wrapped up and it did go off his arms. Um the cross I thought was beautiful. I mean, I thought it was an amazing, and that pass alone may have won him uh, the, the team of the week. Yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah or the team of the pass. match day. Sorry. But you know, the other thing you talk about, um, uh, Jovalich's straight ahead runs, you know, he, he's talked a lot about learning a lot from Chicharito and being on the field of Chicharito. I, I can never remember having seen Chicharito make a straight run. It's everything is diagonal. You know, everything is curling. Everything is, is, is it, you know, horizontal and left to right. It, it's just, um, he never makes a straight run. And you would have thought that that would be something that Jovic would have picked up on because it is too easy to defend him because he is going straight ahead every time. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think he'll make some. The one run that he had was an angled in from in to out. I just want more out to in if I'm Jovic. Try to put yourself, have your runs end inside the posts. That's such a basic concept that I'm sure I'm. it's too dumbed down for, for even people to take it seriously. But Jovalic on the one shot he really had, he's, he's running from inside the post to outside the post. And when you make that run, you receive the ball. Now you're outside the post, right? And so as you get deeper into the box, that becomes a harder angle to, to score from. Got a great shot off. Probably one of the best shots he's had in a very long time. But my, my question here is, does Preston Judd play a better better style of play for what the LA Galaxy are trying to do. And if you start somebody like Preston Judd, which uh, with Jovalich and a call-up likely going to be the case for the the, uh, July, excuse me, June 21st game against Sporting Kansas City, um, where Jovalich is likely to miss because he plays on the 20th. um, And and it's not not here. It's uh, I think it's out of the country. In fact, I'm I'm 100% sure it's out of the country because it's a it's a qualifier. Um, but he's going to go out and, and come back. So Judd's going to get that. Does Judd provide a better base for what the galaxy are trying to do, which is from that forward position, either finding ways to get in behind and stretch the field. Judd's probably not that guy, but he can make those runs or to hold it up and let 
momentum build from behind and then make those secondary runs after you ditch it off. To me, Judd fits that a little bit better than than Jovalich. So we'll see. But by, by the way, you know, one of the things that we try to do is is look at okay, is you know, the galaxy turned a corner. Is this momentum building? You're, because you're not allowed to say turn the corner anymore. We've we've outlawed that on this show because it's like it. Yeah, go ahead. Continue. My point is, is like you can't look at each match as a as a separate thing. Mm -hmm. You know what happened the week before and what's going to happen the next week. It's it's all tied in. All I wanted to say is that the Galaxy now are unbeaten since Chris Klein uh, resigned, left, whatever. In in the league, uh, in, yes. in M MLS, yes, yes, they lost U.S. Open Cup game. Yeah, the, a win and a draw. Does that mean anything? And again, the four four and one in the last nine games in all competition. Does that mean anything? The fact that they played this game. And Douglas Costa had his best game of the season. Uh, with, you know, now that Chicharito's gone down, and I don't mean to say that Chicharito's holding him back. I just mean, is there a sense in the locker room that, oh my God, God let's buckle it up and let's go because we're we've lost our guy. We've lost. Right. We're going to have to do this ourselves now. Right? Can, can I give? Can I? Can we play like hypothetical scenarios or, or hypothetical Horatio as as one of my favorite uh, ever Horatio from uh, from what was it? Uh, what was the cop show that was? Uh, Wow! Da, 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 da. Why can't I think of it? Somebody in the chat room get it. By the way, chat room correcting me. Uh, they lost two at home. That was their first draw at home ever uh, for St. Louis. And I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, but anyway, hypothetical ratio. Is there a scenario in which Greg Vanny calls Douglas Costa into his into his office after Chicharito goes down? He sits him down. He's like, Douglas, listen, we just lost Chicharito. These guys need a leader. It's going to have to be you. It can only be you, right? You're going to be have to be the guy who does this. We need a guy who's going to step up and, and do something. And listen, you, how it goes down right now is basically everybody thinks that you're here just to take a paycheck. And you've only got a limited amount of time to sort of adjust that thinking of, of the people around you. So either you show up and you start acting like the player that we signed and drafted, or you're going to go down as a gigantic failure and, you know, a gold digger that basically only came to the Galley Galaxy to get your get your money. But you have a chance to lead a young team out there. And if you start playing at even 80 percent of what you're capable of doing for the rest of the season, this team can be successful and you could be responsible for that turnaround. And the next contract you get will be somebody who said, you know, that Douglas Costa, he put his head down and he showed up and he fought for the L.A. Galaxy. He got him back. I, maybe we want that guy on our team. Right. Do you think there's any scenario in which Greg Vanny said that or said, if you don't start playing better, I'm having you deported and, and arrested for your alimony thing that's uh, that's down there? Either one of those. Well, the second part was more likely. I mean, I was <laughs> as you were going through that, I was thinking, what are you smoking? And can I have some, please? CSI Miami, um, CSI Miami, by the way, was the name of the show. Thank you. I knew that it was there. I'm glad you guys got that from my wonderful singing. Con congratulations. All right. I, yes. I just don't. Casa's not that. I mean. Yes, you could have that conversation with him, but I, I would have thought you would have had that even before Chicharito got hurt because it was it was pretty obvious that, or it seemed pretty obvious from we're not in the locker room, we don't know what he's going through, but it seemed pretty obvious that he was not putting in a full shift um, and was not you know uh, not dedicated to the team, you know, not part of it. He doesn't seem like a guy that has been a leader. Doesn't seem like a guy that's been a locker room guy. Um, so you know that would have been a talk I would have thought Vanny would have had earlier. Now with Chicharito going down, I'm looking around that locker room and Douglas, I mean, something happened with Douglas Costa because of the way he played. It was just, uh, it was just so out of character from the way he's been playing. But if I'm going to, if I'm Vanny, I'm going to have that conversation. I look around the locker room and, and there are other guys I talk to, uh, Mark Delgado, Brugman, uh, 
Caceres, those are guys that I look to to say, hey, you you're you have the, the talent and the experience to lead this team and to fill in where Chicharito now cannot can no longer do that. Douglas Costa should be the guy. I, I agree with you, but he has shown no inclination in his year and a half here to be that guy. So I don't know if that's a conversation I have now. I would have right. had it maybe a couple weeks ago. Right. I, I just... It, it, it just seems to me like there I think there was a lot and Sophie and I were sort of talking about this was whether or not Jovulich would sort of be that now that Jovulich is the guy right like Greg Vanny goes you're my guy you're you're my guy you said you wanted to be the future of the LA Galaxy now's your time to prove it you have to be the guy that creates offense for this team you have to be the finisher that Chicharito was this is your chance to shine right now this is how you become a good player right now is to fill this gap that is in there and so maybe by being the guy right being pointed at and saying you're the man now you're the guy we need you need to go out there and show us stuff we're depending on you we're depending on you all right we're depending on you luke skywalker we're depending on you you have to you have to save the save the galaxy as they say um well that's good i like that i know i was was twisting i was twisting Um, you know pep Pep is going to get these guys playing together when he comes. I'm sure. I'm sure. But I'm just saying, so so if you do that to Jovalich, which I think is reasonable to say, like you sit him down, you know, and you say, this is what this is what has to happen now, Dayon. This is what this is what we need to do. You need to become the player that we know you can can be. Um, why wouldn't you do that with Douglas Costa, though? He's a veteran. He is he, at one time a world-class player. He has enough talent. Remember, it was I think Eric and I were having this large argument about Douglas Costa's. Can he do it? Right. Can he is he physically capable of doing the things or mentally wanting to do the things uh, to do it? And my thing was his mentality. He he is perfectly mentally capable of committing to the L.A. Galaxy and putting in the kind of performances that we saw. I don't think it was great. I don't think it was complete. But for a guy who was only supposed to play 45 minutes, ended up basically playing 90, played 89. Efrain Alvarez, by the way, getting the one minute sub. Um, if there isn't a more garbage time sub ever in the history of it's Ephraim Alvarez. Yeah. His hundredth career appearance, by the way, something interesting. Um, but it's, it's one of those things I sit there and say, he's, he's mentally capable of doing it. I don't know if he's still physically capable, but you saw it almost 90 minutes, that type of thing. He's there. Here's what, here's where, where your argument might be right. That maybe some sort of fuse was lit under him. The fact that he has shown, you know, at, his season so far, he's shown there's a lot of quit in him. I thought, I mean, I, I right. just didn't think he was applying himself and, and any chance to sort of get out of work, you know, he seemed to be going for. Ah, oh, yes. Good times. I thought, I thought we were getting there. I thought we were doing something there. Nope. All right. We'll, uh, we'll go back. So, uh, sort of enough with Douglas Costa. I sort of want to put that to bed a little bit, but when we look at Douglas Costa, we look at the designated players, this is not going to be pretty for the LA galaxy. Um, I, I think we got Kevin, you back again. Yes. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm, okay, good. Uh, I wanted to get to, to designated players cause we're talking about Douglas Costa, right? Um, we're going into this. Now we have a problem again, where much like when Ramon Alessandrini got injured and didn't get to play as a designated player in 2018, again, sort of mirroring itself. Uh, you're going to have Javier Hernandez who's done for the rest of the season. So a guy who basically before this game played somewhere around 50% of the total available minutes that the galaxy have had so far, Douglas Costa playing 13.5% of the total available minutes at this, uh, so far, uh, Ricky Pouge at 93.8% of the total available minutes. Again, if we go comparing to these things, how very much they are next to 2018. 
50.7% uh, there and 51.7% as your average. The overall average for the LA Galaxy since 2018 in designated players playing um, and being involved is about 57.4% of the total available minutes have been played by designated players. You know, I, I get the Alessandrini comparison, but it, this reminds me more of 2020, and, and it's close, you know, there statistically when Chicharito and, and uh, Jonathan Dos Santos were both, you know, in and out of the lineup because of injuries. Right. This just feels kind of like that. Trust me whenever I say it's closer to 2018, where you had Romano. The only difference, what was the big difference in 2018? What did the LA Galaxy yeah, also have? You had Zlatan, Zlatan and you had Ola Kamara as well. So they were still able to recover because their best player was a targeted allocation money player, which is not the case right now. Uh, $5 super chat. From so that, that, it was it was the D, the DPs that year were Ramon Alessandrini and Gio Dos Santos, Johnson Dos Santos. I believe so. Yeah, those were the designated players yeah. and Zlatan was a TAM player and so was Ola Kamara. So that was that was a, that was a good team. They should have kept Ola Kamara. Uh, that was I understood why they made the move at the time, and looking back on it, I think they should have kept Ola Kamara. Uh, Five dollars super chat from Soul uh, uh, says I saw a rumor on Instagram that CR Seven could be joining uh, LAFC if they can't renew Vela's contract. Thoughts on this? Uh, Cog is the goat of all podcasts, which is not too bad. Uh, thank you for that. Appreciate it. I, I don't. I don't know. Sure. Why not? Could the LA Galaxy could also sign? Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, they just have to get him to be released from his contract in order to do so. Uh, so I, he's making a lot of money. He's making he's making a ton of money, but I don't think he's very happy. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's like, "I am done. I am out of here. See you later. Tear up the contract. Away we go." You know, well, give me. You know, I mean, if we're, if we're going to talk about that for a minute, just let me say that he's playing in Saudi Arabia, and if he's unhappy and he leaves, that is a huge, huge black mark against the Saudi league, and they're trying to. To recruit all kinds of top European players. The, the the last contract I offer I heard for Messi was 1.6 billion with a B for three years. Uh, his wife didn't want to go. Yeah. Imagine that. The yeah. woman didn't want to live in Saudi Arabia. She didn't want to go there. That's why he didn't go. And people are saying, okay, fine, he didn't go there. He he's still a spokesperson for the for the the, the Saudi tourism agency. Uh, Messi is. But if Ronaldo leaves, then other players like Gundawan and others that are considering jumping, they're all of a sudden going to back up and say, well, wait a minute. You know, if Cristiano didn't want it to. I want to get, you know, involved in this mess. So, man, I, whatever Cristiano asked for from the Saudis, I'm sure that they're going to do their best to, to give it to him. Because if he leaves and goes to LAFC or anywhere, right, that's a huge strike against what they're trying to do down there. Yeah. Um. I I I really there's also and people keep saying this. They're like, oh well, probably all three designated player spots are going to be open this winter. No, they're not. I don't think Ricky Puj is going anywhere. Uh, I think the Galaxy are going to throw a whole bunch of money at him to keep him because that's the thing. If they got a very large offer from somewhere in Europe, perhaps they would entertain that for Ricky Pouge. And people I know are sort of like, hey, um, you know, maybe he should have stayed in Europe then, you know, that type of thing. And and he wasn't getting playing time at Barcelona. Barcelona offloaded them knowing that he wouldn't be going to another European team right away in order to come back and hurt them. Going to the LA Galaxy was probably a, a little bit better of a deal in a lot of ways. So, um, you and I had an interesting conversation before this show started about the DPs. Now they haven't put Chicharito on the right. season-ending. Let me let me go over that. Like, let me go over that again, and then okay. let's talk. Okay, so um, it's very likely the LA Galaxy. When we talked about this on Thursday as a hypothetical sort of guessing that Chicharito might be out for the rest of the season, but it's almost 100% certain the LA Galaxy will place Chicharito on the season-ending injury list. They have until the start of the summer transfer window, which I believe is July 4th or 5th. 
um, and it goes until August 2nd or 3rd. I, those are rough numbers in my head. I, I had them written down earlier today. I forgot to bring the, the piece of paper with me. But uh, they have until the start of the transfer window in order to list him as uh, on that season-ending injury list. If they do that, they will then be able to replace him with a designated player and with an internationals, right? So you basically get the DP spot back and you get an international slot because Chicharito took up an international slot as well. So you get those roster spots back. The only rules are that the budget charge for the set for the designated player, which I believe each designated player, if they're a full DP, uh, costs $350,000 against the cap. That's called the budget charge to the cap. Uh, the only deal is that uh, the budget charge to the cap has to be the same or less in order to replace the player. Well, all designated players take up $350,000 against the cap. Doesn't mean, and at least by my reading of the rules, and maybe maybe MLS takes a different view of this, it doesn't mean that you can't spend more money on the designated player, just that the budget charge has to be the same. So technically right. you would yeah. spend... Messi is going to get $40 million, but he's only going to cost 300. Yeah. 350 yeah. against the cap. So technically you could spend more money and replace the DP and do all that stuff. So the galaxy have the ability. Now the sanctions come into play again, just as you would expect. I was hoping maybe that they wouldn't apply to a season ending injury replacement, but I'm told that of course they do, which makes sense because it's a punishment and that's how it should be. So the LA Galaxy really hurt themselves here because one, not being involved in this summer transfer market um, straight up in the summer transfer market is going to hurt them. Uh, and the fact that they could go out and shop for a designated player this summer with a replacement for Chicharito before his contract is up in the winter would, I think, for the LA Galaxy be a huge advantage of being able to participate in this summer transfer window. And yes. why is the summer transfer window so big? One of the reasons the summer transfer with the World Cup being over. This one. Yeah, this yeah. one with the World Cup being over, guys are ready to move. And remember, there was a lot of hesitancy for guys to move last summer before the World Cup. And so you're sort of like, OK, you know, everything. Maybe those guys are going to stay the same. So it's expected to be a very crazy transfer market. Now, the options for the LA Galaxy. They can sign a free agent before the window opens. So they could list Chicharito on the season-ending injury list and then sign a replacement as a free agent. This also goes with any signing as well. So this is how the LA Galaxy can acquire players from now until the roster freeze deadline is. The LA Galaxy can sign free agents on either side of the window. Um, and I was, I have a very good source on that. So free agents on either side of the window, um, but they have to be a free agent, but you could get a designated player who's an international whose contract is up on June 30th, um, and then could come out and be a free agent. And because they're a free agent, you could sign them before the window opens on July 4th. Difficult to do. And I don't think the galaxy will go that way. Uh, or they'll do it after the window where again, a free agent, all teams are able to sign free agents outside the window. The only reason you need a transfer window is to sign somebody who's already under contract. And so therefore you're transferring that player from one team to another within the bounds of, of the contract still being active and then new contracts being signed. And, and, yep. and that could hurt them in the window because there could be some aging European players or not even aging players, players who after the World Cup want to move mm -hmm. but are, uh, have contract to a team so they need to be transferred. Right. And so but if you're the LA Galaxy and you want to participate in this, and the other way that you can sign, by the way, I should be very clear, is to sign people from inside the league, Kevin. And you and I were talking about this because we know that Miami is going to have a lot of players coming in this summer, it seems like. And I know some of their designated players are on their way out as well and would be open for trades in that middle as well. So there are options there in the LA Galaxy inside the transfer window could go and get one of Miami's 
DP internationals and bring them in because they're already reside within the league because they reside within the league. The ITC is already owned by the league. So it it's the ITC ban is, is where this all comes about. Right. Two things on that. First of all, just quickly, why haven't the galaxy placed Chicharito on the season ending injury list already? Well, one, they don't really need to do it right away uh, unless they're going to go sign somebody right away. So they have the time. Second is my guess would be, I think Chicharito needs to wait for the swelling to go down for the ha- to have the operation. If they're not feeling rushed, they feel like they have a little bit of time, they may decide to wait till the operation just to, you know, it doesn't hurt them to wait until the operation. Maybe it's not as bad as they think it is. I'm sure that it is. I'm sure the MRI told them it was bad. But that could be one reason why they haven't done it. But as far as the, the Inter-Miami thing, that turned out to be really interesting to me because you and I have talked about this signing free agents within the league and – my argument not, you was, don't have they don't have to be free agents they can be they can be any any player, player players yeah. inside the league yes yeah but you were always talking about they could sign players from the league and maybe the suspension won't hurt or the penalty won't hurt them too much because right. they could get players from the league and there'll be movement and my thought always was the galaxy need a a game changing type player and no team in MLS is going to give them up right. now Inter Miami is. I mean, Victor Yoola is one guy. He's a midfielder. Joseph Martinez, by the way, is another one that could very well be on the on the chopping block. I mean, listen, you fell into the same trap everybody else does, thinking that everybody always just wants to screw over the LA Galaxy all the time. And the bottom line is, Miami wants to be able to bring players in. And how do they bring players in? By getting rid of players, right? Yeah, Miami has to. Now, Miami has a DP spot. Messi will go in there, but they do have other budget things. They're still under scrutiny from the league for their past misdeeds and signing people they have to move players they have to create a spot on that roster both financially and it was international spots and and they and there's other people that apparently allegedly reportedly rumor wise are coming in with Messi, some other international players miami's going to have to make some roster moves and probably some pretty significant ones and this is where the galaxy could sort of be on the receiving end miami doesn't want to give them these players it's not like miami said we're going to give you a we don't want this player anymore this will help you we're going to help you out no that's not the deal it's like we need to clear space because we've got a once in a lifetime chance to land these big players here's what i think is going to happen this is my prediction on the summer i do not think the galaxy will exercise and try to sign anybody ahead of the transfer window um i wouldn't there's too many things that are going to need to move and then what the galaxy are going to do is they're going to have I'm guessing a winger that they have targeted from some other team inside of MLS. And I imagine that they may go out and get that winger. Now, they're also going to keep an eye on designated players. Uh, Pizarro from Inter-Miami, uh, Joseph Martinez. There's Listen, there's, there's going to be players and there's going to be DPs available within the league this summer. I'm almost full. Because what are other teams going to do? They're going to want to bring in a DP, Kevin. And in order to get bring in a DP, they're going to need to trade one, right? They're going to be like, well, we can't have all. We have all our DPs loaded up. We want to bring somebody in, but we can't. So we're going to do that. So I think the Galaxy listen very intently during the transfer window and sort of plot to see what they can get and how they can do it. And what you're also going to do when that's happening is you're having your scouts go out and they're already doing that right now. Who are the free agents? Let's start talking to them. Right. And so you're going to sort of say, OK, we have a free agent. We can do this. You know, hey, we have this guy. And then the really cool thing is the European transfer window doesn't close. So it's not like these guys are going to be itching to find a team inside of the MLS transfer window. OK, the transfer window in Europe and, and you know, the EPL and all that stuff is still going to be open. So these guys are still going to be in, in trade in, in their trading modes. So you could work a deal out with a free agent during the transfer window. And then as soon as the window closes, 
You sign that free agent and you have it. You can put together a plan during the window as you watch things move and as people become available and as things. That, to me, makes the most sense. Wait with patience until the window starts. Come in there. Find the players you're looking for. A winger, a striker, those types of things. A DP replacement, you know, a TAM player. Uh, who's going to come in and probably be your 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 winger? But the bottom line is find something that's that fits. Now there's going to be a lot of people, Kevin, that say is that say don't go out and sign a designated player, leave it alone because you're probably not going to get a designated player for six months. You're probably going to get them for two years if you sign somebody. So you're going to be stuck with whoever you get for two years. And there's going to be people who tell you the best thing for the LA Galaxy to do is wait until the winter. But the winter doesn't have the same opportunities that the summer does. That's always the case. Will always be the case. All right. And so, listen, am I saying that if you wait, you can't get somebody good in the winter? I'm not saying that. But go back and listen to Greg Vanny talk about all the hardships the Galaxy had in trying to get players in this winter and just know that that's that's the same thing that's going to happen this next winter, too. And and that's why so many teams keep DP spots open in the middle of the season, because it's I mean, look at the the guys the Galaxy have gotten in the summer. You know, Gio came in the summer, Robbie Keane. That's. And, and now, as you said, at the end of a World Cup cycle and the start of a new one, this is when there's a lot of movement. That's why this suspension, the penalties uh, over the, the 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 Pavone signing, so hurt the Galaxy. First of all, they didn't have a DP spot to work with. Now, once suddenly has a magically appeared, apparently, yep. with Chicharito, this would have been an amazing time for the Galaxy to go out and get somebody. They had a DP spot. The marketplace is going to be buzzing. They could probably uh, make some trades with Inter Miami to, you know, Inter Miami needs allocation money really badly right now. Uh, they they could have made a lot of moves and they had that DP spot available to go get somebody. They don't, they can't do it the same way anymore. Yeah, they have to. And they, they are going to have another. And they are going to have another DP spot coming up. With, with, with I, I'm assuming yeah. Costa goes, but yeah. that might be one that you want to hold on to until next summer. Yeah, I, I in and very well could maybe. Um, I'm just saying, do not count out the ability for the LA Galaxy to go shopping this 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 summer. And I think that you would want to participate in this transfer window if you're the LA Galaxy because there's going to be people available. Um, you know, Di Maria is a free agent. That's the type of player that you can get on free agency, right? I know uh, Mbappe is is still on under contract and he's going to be moved over the summer, right? And so, yes, you know, if I guess if you're really delusional, you could say, oh, if the Galaxy didn't have the sanctions, they could go after Mbappe, you know, no. But so what we're saying is that you can see the LA Galaxy improve their squad this year and for the future if they get the right thing. I know that Will Koontz is looking at that stuff. And this is the type of stuff that he was brought in to do, which is to find those guys that he wants. And free agency is across the entire world, right? So don't just think Europe and those other things. And don't just think aging players. If you're thinking about what Will's trying to do, he talks about youth and wanting to find, you know, those next young DPs. And so that's also a possibility on free agency, looking around all the different places, South America, South America or anywhere else. So, you know, the galaxy with the exception of Ricky Pooge, the Galaxy recently have not had a ton of luck in bringing in these younger DPs. I mean, Ricky Pooch is one, but Cabral didn't work out. Grant Sear didn't work out. Um, Sega Koulibaly didn't really work out. Revelson was a little bit older. They they seem to have missed on more of those. The, those are the DPs that the rest of the league are hitting on. Right. You know, these young DPs that that sort of are are, are underrated internationally. That That's where the rest of the league has really uh, brought in some great play. The whole MLS 3.0 thing. The Galaxy have kind of missed on that. In yeah, the last few I mean, years. you know, Ricky, certainly, I think Jovalich sort of, I, I'll tell you this, I think Aude 
I think Caligari were great U22 pickups. Yeah. I mean, I think those were 100% hits as far as what you're trying to do and how you're trying to establish and use those U22 spots for the future too, right? Um, solid defenders, really good, really, really, I, I think. You, you, yeah. Speaking of U22 and U20 guys, Jalen Neal called up for the national team today for the Gold Cup. For the Gold Cup. Um, Remember, everybody was really mad that he didn't get to go to the uh, to the U20. That was going to be my point. I mean, I wonder if I don't know what the communication is like. Yes. My understanding is the communication is very good between U.S. soccer and especially MLS teams, but teams in general, but MLS teams especially. I wonder if U.S. soccer came to them and said, "Look, we really like Jalen Neal for the U20 team, but we're also we also want him for the Gold Cup." Uh, and the Galaxy said, "Well, you know, we really can't lose him for the half the season, so why don't we just?" You know, let's play the U20. Let's play the World Cup without him, and, and you can have him for the Gold Cup. I don't know what those conversations took took place, but it makes sense to me for them to say no. You can't go to a World Cup, but yeah, you can play in this domestic competition, the Gold Cup. Um, great for him. I, I'm I'm glad he gets to go, but I'm just trying to make sense of why it would you know a couple of weeks ago it was no, and now it's yeah, go ahead. Yeah, uh, it's it's very. Uh, I'm glad. I'm glad for Jalen Neal. I, I I figured something like this would would come about. And it just it seemed it seemed a, a little more obvious just in terms of what it was how it was sort of playing out. Uh, three other LA Galaxy's uh, players called up for international duty as we look. Uh, Dayon Jovalich, uh, Kelvin Leardam, and Eric Zavaleta. I think uh, Zavaleta will be back in time. I think, or was it? Uh, it might have been. Uh, excuse me. It was Leardam who should be back in time, only playing one game. Um, on the 17th and so back in time for the 21st uh, both Jovalich and Zavaleta have games I believe on the 20th and the 19th uh, Jovalich is on the 20th uh, he was called in the Serbian well, national team theoretically Zavaleta could play all you know for the next month though if El Salvador advances right uh, yeah I guess I guess yes um, I was looking at the at where it was uh, was called him uh, Jovalich uh, was called in for an international friendly against Jordan in Austria on the 16th and then um and then it was a european championship qualifier against bulgaria uh at ludogorets arena on tuesday june 20th at 11:45 a.m pacific time you think he makes it back in time to play on uh, on the 21st play that hop on a plane fly over do a little bit of rest and then jump out on the field well i wonder if they'd keep him for the second game i mean what's their the 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 level of coordination between those teams you know he's already been called up once this year they've yep. already seen him they've got to look at him yeah but he's gonna actually play i mean one is that they have a european qualifier you know the yeah that's you, a uh, game. yeah a euro game that's an actual game and so he'll be there for that guaranteed um and then zavaleta will play uh at toyota stadium toyota japan on thursday june 15th um and then uh let's see i was trying to see if they had a different one i had tweeted out the the dates on everything under you can go check at galaxy podcast and i sort of no is, is el salvador not in the gold cup is that that uh, that must be the thing then that's why he would be back i yeah, thought el salvador was in the gold cup no and i you know the the gold cup stuff hold on where was the um i had the jail and there it is my bad i know honduras is in the gold cup trinidad and tobago nicaragua just got kicked out today they did um I was sort of reading through everything. The U.S. men's is part of the Gold Cup uh, coming up, but that doesn't kick off right away, right? So uh, the prelim rounds will run from June 16th to 20th at Drive Bank Stadium in Fort Lauderdale, right? So um, Yeah, and the first yeah. U.S. game is the 24th. Yep. So anyway, we'll keep an eye on Neil and, and sort of where he's at and how the LA Galaxy do with games because the schedule coming up uh, is actually pretty interesting. 
Uh, the LA Galaxy playing on the 21st against Sporting Kansas City, then away to Colorado. We've talked about those games for you. Uh, if you really want to pay attention to July, away to San Jose, difficult game. July 4th game at Rose Bowl against LAFC. Uh, July 8th, it's LA Galaxy hosting Philadelphia Union, one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. Has been, especially over the last two, three years. Uh, Vancouver, away at Vancouver on July 15th. That's a difficult one. And then we get into the League's Cup, where they'll host Leon, um, and then, of course, hosting Vancouver. Yeah. That game just got a heck of a lot more interesting, didn't it? It did. It did very much, very much so. So we'll see what that is. August, if you're paying attention. Uh, by the way, the Galaxy could have more games uh, in League's Cup coming up. Those are just that first r- opening round of games, and the Galaxy don't leave home to play those. Um, and then August uh, looks like LA Galaxy hosting RSL, and then LA Galaxy hosting Chicago, um, and then away to San Jose again on August 30th. So that's sort of where it all rounds about. If you're paying attention to the LA Galaxy's season 13 points now through 16 games, better than 2006, same as 1997. Um, there's not too much better out there after that. That's that's it. So uh, definitely on the bottom in terms of where the LA Galaxy are. In fact, if we plot their season so far against every other season that they've played, uh, you can see down towards the bottom of that graph and that grouping, much more so than the top of that grouping. One last thing I wanted to get to, Kevin, um, and then we can sort of wrap this up. This is very interesting. Uh, this is very interesting to me anyway. Uh, Chris McGowan was a member, was a chief operating officer at AEG for a while. I think he went up to Seattle and did some stuff uh, in Seattle and then went off to Detroit and did some things. So he's been bouncing around a little bit. Chris McGowan used to be very tied into the LA Galaxy and what they did and sort of how they operated. And whenever he was at AEG, I think at one point he was even considered for Dan Beckerman's job. Um, And I wouldn't have been totally surprised if his name wouldn't have popped up for a possible presidential run for the uh, for the LA Galaxy. Um, And so the fact that he was announced today uh, with MLS and Chris McGowan joins the MLS executive team. McGowan joins Major League Soccer as executive vice president, chief club performance officer which I believe is part of their little uh, their little uh, grouping that is supposed to go out there and help some of the underperforming team teams perform. Uh, and so the LA Galaxy, maybe he'll be... He is working with the Galaxy. That's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> um, and so uh, it, it's super interesting to sort of see him go to MLS sort of at the same time the LA Galaxy presidency is. is I'm gonna, listen, also it could be that Chris has, has outgrown even being with the LA Galaxy as a president. Could be. Uh, but he was always a very nice guy always sort of seemed uh, seemed to have his his finger on what was happening in the LA Galaxy. And I know that he had been critical of the way that AEG had sort of been run and done some things um, whenever Tim Laiwiki left and, and that type of thing. So um, very interesting guy. Uh, so now with MLS, I just thought that perhaps we would have heard his name come back and and we didn't. So that was just, just something it, that I picked it's up. It's interesting you, you point out that he was critical of AEG. AEG has never struck me as the kind of company that wants to hire people who are critical, which, and, and I disagree with that a hundred percent because what you want is you want someone to come in and say, here's what you're doing wrong. Not someone to say, you guys are great. That's why you have this opening that you're hiring me for because you're doing so great. No, you want someone to come in and say, here's why the opening's here because you didn't do this, this, and this right. My my pick for president, I think they're going to now, I think the, the Galaxy front office is going to be separate. I think there's going to be a business side and there's going to be a soccer side. That seems and, to be the the trend of, of rumors right now, correct? Yes. Right, and, and I think there's a huge upside on the business side. They already have that 
uh, Herbalife deal signed for another four seasons. You know, there's a lot of possibilities now with with uh, Apple TV. I think the business and they have those summer tournaments coming up now that AEG is involved with bringing these big European teams like Real Madrid and, and Milan over. I, I think it, it, Tom Braun would be a really good candidate to slot into that business side. president's job on the business side if he was allowed to continue to do those other things, which are really helping AEG or, or be involved in that. And so that means that then that um, Will Koontz would have a, obviously a big role, which he already does, on the player side. One name that really needs to be mentioned here, a guy that I think could help the Galaxy in a lot of ways, is Todd Donovan. And Todd Donovan helps the Galaxy in a lot of ways because he's had a very successful, I think, seven-year run now as the president at Sacramento Republic. Got them. They beat the Galaxy last year, got into the uh, um, Open Cup final. Right. Um, he's a Stanford Business School graduate. Yep. He played for the Galaxy on on uh, multiple World Cup or MLS Cup winning teams. Right. So he knows the he know he has the business intelligence. He has the smarts. He has the experience. He's been there. He's done it, and he understands the Galaxy culture. And that's why Vanny and and Dan and and Kevin Hartman and all these guys came in because that was important to the Galaxy to rebuild to get back where they were. They needed people to understand the the culture. The Galaxy have always done that. They've always Chris Klein was a former player. You know, Greg Berhalter was here as a player that people that understand that culture. And and right now the situation is on the player on the playing side, on the soccer side, Greg Vanny is the general manager. Greg Vanny is the coach. Greg Vanny is running the academy. That's too much. He needs someone that he can trust. And I think Will Kuntz will be that guy on player acquisition. I'm not sure Will Kuntz fits in on the academy side and all that stuff. I think that's where a guy like Todd Donovan would be an excellent person that the Galaxy should talk to because they need some help right now. And Greg Vanny needs some of these things taken off his shoulders. He's just trying to – I know he wants to do it all, but he can't do it all. And he needs a trusted lieutenant that can be his eyes and ears in some of these places. Fine, Greg makes the final decision. That's good. That's what it should be. But he needs someone to actually be there day to day because he can't be. Tom Braun, by the way, has been on this show before. Whenever we did on location uh, with the LA Galaxy, Tom came over and, and talked to us. Uh, really nice guy. Really like him. Uh, always a huge fan of Todd Dudamant. You know that. Um, Todd was absolutely one of the uh, one of the the my, one of my favorite players to cover whenever he was playing with the LA Galaxy. Uh, extremely smart, extremely talented. I could see how he fits into that. I think that there will be people who will sit there and try to compare him to Chris Klein in terms of. Well, you have another former player come in and, you know, he's just going to be another guy and he doesn't have any top level experience. And I'll say that's where the difference sort of comes in is Chris Klein didn't have any top level experience. Um, he was sort of groomed for that spot uh, by the L.A. Galaxy and put into that position without having that top level experience. And I think ultimately it ended up hurting him. Uh, I think that Todd Donovan has had on the ground experience in, in what he's been looking at and in the level below where the L.A. Galaxy are, certainly in Major League Soccer. And I think it's going to be a huge step up. In some ways, you might say that Sacramento is a harder market to do the president job than maybe L.A. is. But in some ways, L.A. is so big and unique in, in a lot of things that it would be a difficult job, I think, for Todd to just simply slide into uh, without any MLS experience. But having seen everything that Todd has done, I, I certainly wouldn't count him out. Um, and I think that there are some severe differences in uh, between Chris Klein and, and Todd Dunnivant, whether it all works out that way. And I always have a question. So if we're if we're going to agree that, you know, hey, let's pretend the Galaxy are absolutely going to do, they're going to split it. They're going to have a soccer operations guy and they're going to have a business guy. Occasionally, decisions come about that have to be handled that involve both of those things, right? And certainly whenever you're talking about signing big name designated players, you're talking about business side and you're talking about soccer side and they have to come together. So if you have co-presidents, 
Who makes decisions? Who's ultimately in charge? And that's where I worry. I want a place where the buck stops and I want somebody who takes that responsibility. So I don't think that's going to be Dan Beckerman because the last thing Dan Beckerman wants to do is ever get involved with soccer again. I think I think that this year has has made him way too involved in all the stuff that the LA Galaxy have had to do. And I, it, my personal opinion, he doesn't want that. He's he's in charge of AEG. He's got a multi-billion dollar corporation to run. He doesn't need to be micromanaging what's happening on an MLS it, team. No, yes and no. I mean, I, 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 you're, I think you're right. But I think the, the, the reasons are different. I think that maybe he, I don't know, maybe he doesn't feel like he understands soccer and wants to be involved in those decisions. But my sense is it's more of a sense of he doesn't want to be blamed when things go wrong. He wants to be there when they sign Zalatan and Chicharito and win MLS Cups, and he wants to drink the champagne. But when they're, the team is a three, not, a 3 and 9, he doesn't want to be around and take the blame for that, 3 and 10, whatever they are now. Um, he doesn't want to take the blame for that. So I, I think that's part of it. Yeah, I think you're right. He would have to be the tie-breaking vote. And, and, and you know, again, I don't know if he wants to do that. Um, but someone's going to have to step up. I mean, another way to do it is similar how we used to do it in newspapers. You had an advertising department and you had a editorial department and we spent to travel to go to events and then at the advertising side had to find the money for that right um you know it, if they want to go out and sign Zalatan for seven million dollars tom braun's got to find the money to make that happen and and uh, you, you, yes they have to work in concert but they don't necessarily have to approve each other's deals i mean i, I don't know how that would work but todd you know i todd would be a guy that could bridge that gap he knows the money side clearly i mean you don't get business degrees from Stanford, not knowing that side. And he's done it in Sacramento. And you're right. LA is a different market, but also the galaxy have way more resources yeah. that Sacramento doesn't have. And he built a winner there, uh, got a stadium approved, you know, by the city council, did a lot of things there that he wouldn't have to do here. And in fact, yes, the pressure is bigger, the spotlight's bigger, but the budget's bigger too. Yeah. I, I, you know, I would, if it's me personally, and I, I admit I'm very biased because I like I like Todd, um, and I think he's a great person, uh, I, and I think that he operates with the utmost integrity as well, which is something I think the LA Galaxy need right now. Um, all those things, I would give him a shot for sure. So, uh, but we'll see. Uh, the rumors keep flying. We'll see if there's any uh, any actual uh, names that sort of pop up at any point this time. Do you think they're going to wait till the end of the season, or you think they're going to do something like midseason? I don't know. We both talked about how Dan Beckerman has been around Dignity Health Sports Park recently, kicking some tires, looking at things. I, I don't know who he's talking to or what questions he's asking, but it is not common for a Dan Beckerman sighting at Dignity Health Sports Park and the offices there. Uh, so that's happening. Whether whether that is is you know it means a deal, something's coming soon. I, I really think the next couple of weeks or, or even months could dictate that. Is if the galaxies continue to fall out of playoff contention, maybe they wait and figure like there's no need to rush this. But if the galaxy keep doing what they're doing now, and this is goes back to the beginning of the show, I can't tell if this is a team beginning to find their, their rhythm or right. a team that, that has no chance. If they begin to look like they can make it to the playoffs. And we've talked about this before with the talent on this team. Could they make a playoff run six, seven games? Yes, absolutely. They got to get there first. If they start showing some life, and it may be until we get through League's Cup because that fixture crunch is going to be so much. And then you have the decision, is it too late? Or do we make right. the move now? Right. There are. It, it is going to be the hardest decision that they've had to make in a long time because of this tournament in the middle of the summer that's really going to impact uh, how that decision is made. It's going to be tough. 
Let's uh, let's give you some historical perspective real quick. Uh, Elliot McKinley was putting out the likely enough data to be meaningful, meaningful, good, lucky matrix, right? So are you good or are you lucky? Are you bad or are you unlucky? So he had this wonderful chart in here. I want to give him all the credit for it as I blow it up a little bit for everybody to see. And what we see where the LA Galaxy are, are right there down there with the Colorado Rapids, um, all the way down on this furthest point directly on the axis. And basically he's pointing out that Colorado and LA Galaxy are the largest underperformances since 2013. So since they've been keeping the track of this data and sort of looking at all these things, that they are underperforming so greatly. And in this particular case, you would say underperforming is unlucky um, as you read this, 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 this map, right? So underperforming so greatly that they're almost off the chart. As a matter of fact, Elliot published 2015 to 2023, just so you could sort of understand the outliers that are involved in this. And if you sort of just look at all the groupings all the way across from 2015 all the way to 2023, and then you drop down to 2023 and you go all the way down to the bottom of the page and you see the LA Galaxy and then you draw lines sideways to see if there's anybody else. San Jose in 2018 is kind of close, but the LA Galaxy are under them in that case. Colorado is underneath the LA Galaxy. So the amount of unluckiness or underperformance and certainly underperformance. If you've been watching the LA galaxy has been a key this year. Um, the amount of unluckiness for the LA galaxy or underperformance is some of the largest margins that they've ever seen. So as MLS gets more, um, more teams in there, I think this chart fluctuates a lot more and we're seeing a lot of highs or a lot of lows because the randomness that gets involved with 29 teams and 30 teams and everything else that sort of happens in this um, can lead to teams who either greatly overperform, as they pointed out, uh, FC Cincinnati is the largest overperformance since 2013. So luckiness, right? They also pointed out St. Louis City um, as one of those lucky teams. The other team can't pass to your striker every game type of thing uh, for St. Louis. But FC Cincinnati and St. Louis, you talk about staying power, talk about what they're trying to do. Um, you know, I didn't think St. Louis was overpowering by any means, but when you look at this, they've had a lot, they've been a little more quote unquote lucky. Um, they've overperformed themselves a little bit more where you look at the LA galaxy have underperformed. Now, Kevin, my take on this is that that's great. And that's a really cool chart to look at, but it also means the LA galaxy still suck on that chart. That's what, it's, well, that's what go, it shows. Go back, to the, go back to the year by year one. Oh, the year by year. Hold on. I got it. Yes. Because so you see the it kind of goes to what I've been talking about. This is a incredibly talented team that is not performing well, and we don't know are they starting to hit rhythm or not. So you see where they are on that chart. They're way down there, all by themselves. Well, with Colorado, but way below everybody else. Way underperforming because why are they underperforming? Because they have a good team and the, the team's not winning. Now go to 2017, right? Which we can agree is the worst Galaxy team up perhaps until now. Yeah, they're not underperforming. They, they had a they terrible were bad. team. <laughs> they were bad. They were, yeah. Bad team. They performed just as they were supposed to. They were supposed to be horrible, and they were horrible. Yeah, and so if, that kind of puts us in perspective when we compare this year to 2017. 2017, that team sucked. This team is not that a talented team. team. Yeah, and it even shows if you go to this year and you look at Inter Miami. Inter Miami is not underperforming. They're not good, right? And it's like, help us, Lionel Messi and friends. You're our only hope, right? That's sort of over here. So again, big shout out to Elliot for that chart, just to sort of close things up and. 
put a bow on everything. So LA Galaxy, no game uh, this this midweek, no game this weekend. Uh, don't come back until uh, the July 21st game, excuse me, June 21st game. I keep wanting it to be July, apparently. The June 21st game against Sporting Kansas City. Um, and we've already looked at that schedule a couple times, but just one more reminder. Sporting Kansas City is the next game, then Colorado. Uh, those are your next two, June 21st and June 24th. They come hot and heavy. As a matter of fact, you can go, oh, look, July 1st, the LA Galaxy will play San Jose. That's cool at Stanford Stadium. Then three days later, oh, cool. The LA Galaxy will play at the Rose Bowl against LAFC. That's cool. And then four days later, LA Galaxy hosts Philadelphia Union. It's going to be a grind. Uh, And the bottom line is that don't expect any players to come in really at the front end of this window if you're a Galaxy fan. For me, the players are going to come in, and if they come in, they're going to come in at the end of the window and then possibly after the window. Those are the those are the time frames in my mind that I'm seeing right now. Now, that could be that the Galaxy have already worked out a deal for, you know, a winger that they're going to trade inside of MLS. They have that deal. They want to get it done at the front end of the window. That could happen. Um, but as of right now, we haven't. We, we, we don't know that. So let's just keep an eye on. But my my idea is that they're going to wait a little bit, Kevin, and sort of see how things uh, filter through in the, the beginning part of that window. So the Galaxy at the bottom of the Western Conference standing seven points out of a playoff berth mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Miami is at the bottom of the Eastern Conference, seven points out of a playoff berth. But they're getting messy. Yes. Now, if they don't make the playoffs in Miami, mm-hmm. but the Galaxy do, does that mean that the Galaxy's Former Barcelona midfielder Ricky Pouge is better than Lionel Messi. Obviously, obviously, what a yeah. what a fun question that'll be. I'd love let's 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 put let's put that to people whenever it actually happens because right now the Galaxy are underperforming and that's not that's not that will not get them into the playoffs. So you know, Bruce Arena had an he was really questioned about this. It was like a five minute interview after a game the other day about Lionel Messi coming. It was fascinating. It's on YouTube if you haven't watched uh, listened to it yet. It's really, really good. But at one point, someone says, um, is he going to play on, you know, will Messi play on turf? Because when you had Beckham, he didn't play on turf. Right. And Bruce Arena was interesting. He said, well, first of all, he's not going to play here because we don't have them anymore this season, which right. is good. Right. And he said, there are too many turf fields in the Eastern Conference. You know, there's, uh, I think, Charlotte, there's Atlanta, New England, where he won't play again. I, th- I think that's it. And Bruce Arena's thing was, he goes to Atlanta and there's 80,000 people in the stands and Messi doesn't play. I, I don't know if that's going to happen. Zlatan didn't play in, in Atlanta. Remember, he didn't want to yeah. play on the turf. So he did. He, but that's Zlatan. You know, would would Messi want to do that? Now, remember, Zlatan. That was like one game, right? With Messi, it could be two games or three games. Whenever you're looking at you know West Eastern Conference in conference opponents and how you end up playing some and teams three times. Play them in the playoffs. If and, they have to play them in the playoffs, Beckham did play on turf in the playoffs. Yep. When Seattle yep. on turf. Absolutely. So. All right. Uh, that's where we sit right now. Overall, I, I think again be cautiously optimistic about what you saw against St. Louis. That is a very difficult place to go and play and win. The fact they were able to come from behind and get a draw. I still am worried about the LA Galaxy and the fact that no matter how many times we watch them play this year, uh, they allow the the first goal way too many times. Uh, Right now, we're up to nine games where they've allowed the first goal and only four games where they've scored the first goal. When they score the first goal, 3-1-0. When they score the second, when they allow their opponent to score first, uh, they're 0-7-2. These are not freaking genius stats that everybody can't understand. It's very simple. You put the ball in the back of the net, which is something Galaxy have not done. You score goals first. You have a better chance of winning. All right. Uh, Anything else, Kevin? 
Nope, I, I, I hope my internet holds on here till the end. Just barely. Let's see if we can make it all the way to the end. All right, if you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter, it's at kbaxter11. Head on over to latimes.com where you can find all of Kevin's wonderful soccer writing and all that fun stuff. Please check him out. Uh, if you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at jgesman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course, at Galaxy Podcast. Cornerofthegalaxy.com is where you can find all of our podcasts, all of our articles, anything we choose to write. We'll be up there on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Uh, I hope everybody had a good week. We hope to see you on Thursday night where we will find something to talk about once again. LA Galaxy off for just a little bit. All right. For Kevin, the Panda Baxter, I'm Josh Patrick. Guess when you've been listening, you've been watching to our little Corner of the Galaxy from the box. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.